Welcome to the Alliance Bible Church Podcast. We exist to be a healthy community, living and sharing the good news of Jesus with neighbors and nations. So, my name is Terry, and uh, around work, where I, where I work, I, I have a, a, a job in a Salem drywall, and I, and I am in charge sometimes, sometimes. Anyway, the guys who work for me, I said, well, you, you do it my way. My name's Terry, so if you do it my way, you'll be terrified. How's that? That works. I don't know. It works for my name. doesn't work for everybody. But that's sometimes the danger of having me speak to you, is that uh, you will hear terrified words. And uh, I'm just so glad to be here. Church has always been special to me. I grew up in an alliance church in Savage, Montana. Doesn't that sound good? Missionaries loved to come to where I was because they got to come to the Savages. We lived in Savage. They made fun of us for being that, but that's, that, that was always a joy for me to grow up in that environment in Christian Missionary Alliance, and I have always considered it family. Thank you very much for inviting me, uh, Alliance Bible Church. This already feels like home just because of the name. There's a psalm that says, better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. So I want to just have you think about how important this time of two hours you spend on Sunday. Just do the math, all right? (laughs) Every hour you spend here is better than a thousand somewhere else. And I just trust that God will meet you in your commitment to be part of this. As simple as it might seem to go to church, uh, it's the place where Jesus said he would meet us. I know he's with us all the time, but he meets us when we gather together. And I just trust that that'll be the case today as, as you hear the word that I have to share with you, that that would be the sense that you have. I've been with Jesus today with my brothers and sisters. That's what we do together. So I see by the the note card that you have, and also what I was told, is that you're in a series in Matthew. And I get to jump into that in uh, chapter 5 and verse 6, where it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So if we can start the sides, we just review a little bit of where you have been. I don't know what people have been saying to you, but this is the topic that you've had for the last while. Jesus teaching about the kingdom of God. And and for the people that were listening to him, they thought about Moses, I think. Because here was Jesus, teacher on a mountain, giving them teaching about the law in a way that they'd never heard before, right? They came away from that, and the comment that is made is, we're astonished. We've never heard anyone talk like this. With that kind of a a context, then Jesus began to kind of shake them up a little bit, the way they had previously thought about how to live their life with God, how to obey him, how to have their life in alignment with kingdom. What does that mean exactly? And Jesus was saying some things that they hadn't heard before, but it was attractive. Crowds of people coming to hear it. Well, as we come to the hunger and thirst, I just wanted you to look at those four things together and look at 
what seems to be a theme in those first four Beatitudes. And it isn't a very pleasant one. It's, it's talking about human life with lack, poor in spirit. I lack something. How about mourning? I grieve. I've, I've lost something. How about the next one, being meek? That's, that's kind of a lowering of ourselves in a humbleness. See, we're losing here. I thought <laughs> that, w- that would be a pleasant message for everyone to start out. Uh, welcome to the kingdom. Welcome to church. Welcome to losing. And that's how Jesus opened it up. Blessed are you losers. Ah, yeah. What is that? I didn't sign up for that. And here we are with this concept of hunger and thirst. And so how is it that you could possibly be blessed by these losing kind of scenarios? And it's important that you do engage yourself with that idea that there's some values here that Jesus begins with that are probably stumbling blocks for most of us to come to Jesus Stumbling blocks that he said would make you fall to your knees and say, I need something. I need Jesus. Now let's take a look at that as to what Jesus was saying when he said, hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be blessed. There's there's a few places where Jesus expands on this idea of righteousness. If you just follow right in his sermon, he says, I want you to look at righteousness now in our world. And he says, if your righteousness does not exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Three kinds of righteousness. Did you think about that? When when you say hunger and thirst for righteousness, come to the table, here's the menu, have righteousness. But Jesus says, hold on. There's different kinds of things on this menu we call righteousness. There's your righteousness. There's Pharisee righteousness. And there's kingdom righteousness, which he goes on to say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And the others will be added to you. When I, when I invite you to this table, I'm inviting you with a responsibility to make choices. Have you, have, we're Americans, right? Have you ever been hungry lately? I mean, Americans, we have snacks in our cars, we have snacks in our bedroom, we have snacks in the refrigerator. Are we ever really hungry? I don't know. It's like, I haven't been hungry for three years, maybe. I don't know. It's important to to have this sense of hunger. So I want to take you through this in a context that uh, I'll move a little bit away from here, but to say, let's, let's talk about this hunger and the table that we're coming to and what we have to make a decision about. Because that's what you do. You stick in your fork, you put it in your mouth. What you eat determines who you are a lot of times. 
We are what we eat, we say, right? Well, there's a place in Revelation where Jesus actually makes a very specific statement to a church. He says, I stand at your door and knock. If you invite me in, I'll come in and I'll have supper with you. So I want, I want us to visit that kind of a thing in the church of Laodicea. Now, I have a picture of a church here that I took from Montana. Can we see that picture? There's a picture here that's in a ghost town, one of the old towns in Montana. I live in Montana. I moved here just in last year. And yet uh, that, that little church, Me Church, 1886, Montana. It's one of the old mining towns in Montana. Now, I thought the title on the church was a little bit interesting, and I want to use it in our case to illustrate what it would be like to go to Me Church. The M-E actually stands for Methodist Episcopal. So, you, I mean, you kind of know that. That's mainline church. So they were having a, a community church with M-E on it. But I thought, now, isn't that somewhat telling about our society and the kind of church that we like? Yeah? Me church. And now, the church in Laodicea was, was kind of like that. When you hear how Jesus talks to the church in Laodicea, if you want to turn there, it's Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 and following. But he says, I know what you're like. I know your work. And you say, I am rich. I have accumulated wealth. I have need of nothing. Now, as you hear that, those statements contrast almost completely opposite to what Jesus said would be blessed, right? This church is saying, I am rich. Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. This church was saying, I have accumulated wealth. And Jesus is saying, blessed are those who mourn, those who have lost and they say, we have need of nothing. And yet Jesus says, blessed are the meek who actually acknowledge that they need something. This church wasn't the blessed church, was it? Not as Jesus described blessedness. This church was the me church, self-sufficient, looking at ourselves and saying, yeah, I think we're good. We got it. We figured it out. And in that context, Jesus says, you, don't, you just don't realize that you are naked. You are destitute. You need so much. Just, just think about what we sang today. Thank you very much, worship team. Uh, the story that we told when we walk in here and we sat down to sing, you didn't, you didn't plan the story, but is it Dave? Dave planned your story. And you graciously joined in singing these songs that said, the God that we are here to worship can move mountains. He is mighty to save. Hallelujah. And then save because I am so broken. I am so much in need of this saving. There's a revival coming. And revival means that we're dead. And that, I mean, that's good news, bad news. But we're all, we're singing this and we're acknowledging this is my story. This is the state of my life. And I need Jesus to come and touch me and heal me. We sang that. Hallelujah. 
which is the pathway of this righteousness that Jesus is talking about. We're on our way to this table. Now, I want you to hear the knock at the door, right? Jesus says, so I stand at the door of me, church, and I knock. Will you let me in? We'll have supper together. Well, let's talk about this. Uh, let's have supper together. Can I see that picture of the next somewhere here? I took a picture of a setting of dinner. There we are. Dinner. When you have supper together, there is this setting, and I want you to just kind of now move into the academic part of today. I'm a teacher, and I, I like that. So if you want to take out your note card, this is the place where notes start to happen. But when you come out to a dinner, there are three kind of categories for the seating, right? First of all, there's the guests, all those around the table. Whoop, back up to the picture, that's really important. I'm not there yet. There's the guests sitting around the table, and then there's the host of the table who's going to pay the bill, I hope, right? And then there's the servers. So that's the setting that I want you to enter into it. And I, and I just took advantage of this opportunity to introduce you to my family. Did you guess? He, that one young man there looks a little bit like me. Anyway, the, the, the boy on the right side is my son, and he is getting married the very next day to the beautiful young lady on the left, leaning in, Kalyani, the Indian girl. And they got married a couple years ago. This was the night before, so the rehearsal dinner was here. This was our deal. My daughter and her husband are to the very far left. Um, they actually are the reason I moved out here, because they live in Beaverton, just down the road here. And uh, I will have lunch with them after this. And then at the far end of the table are the family of Kalyani, and uh, we joined all together for dinner. So thanks for the opportunity to, in, to introduce them to you today. Uh, this is really hard for me not to be distracted because this morning we had a talk with Kalyani and Daniel on the phone, and they are on their way to the hospital to give birth to our first grandchild. Yeah, so um, if I'm not quite on track perfectly, it could be that I'm distracted. Now let's move on to the academics. The table. The table setting that we're going to look at will have these three parts, right? We have the host, we have the guest, we have the server. Now, tables are, are pretty common in the Bible as far as God talking about his relationship with people, right? Starts out in a garden where God comes to the evening and he spends time with Adam and Eve in the garden. I'm assuming they eat something. Then as the temple is set up, the temple is set up with a table in it and there's bread on it and that, that's there. There's the Passover supper, which turns into our communion service in, in our world, right? And that's a table where we're invited to have fellowship with Jesus and we gather around that table. And there's the amazing thing that will happen, the wedding supper of the Lamb talks about in Revelation where we look forward to the day when we are gathered all together and we celebrate at the feast. And so this idea of a table is, is something that God uses to describe how he wants to be in relationship with us. And so as we look at this, we, we, we maybe hear the words of John chapter 1 where it says, Jesus, the, the Logos, the Word of God, came to the world that he created. His own would not receive him. 
But to those who do receive him, he gives the right to be called children of God. Describing that setting, we have an opportunity to be part of this supper. In church, I'm glad we share communion because it reminds us of the story. This is what God wants to do, be part of your everyday life. He's knocking at the door, wants to come in. So let's take a look at what it looks like um, to follow kind of a, a journey of what, it, what y- you've done that, haven't you, where you're looking for the treasure, the right answer, and, and they start out with, well, you're cold now, you're not even close. And then you get closer and you're warm, and then you're a little bit warmer, and then, yeah, you're hot, you're right there. I want to play that game with you a little bit, all right? So we're going to start out with cold. This is cold. Open the door, and the world is the host. This is cold. They say, no, you're not coming in. We don't want you here. In fact, we're already too busy doing our own thing. We will not have part with what you do. Now, I want to just test and see if this is a reality for you. All right, so I'm going to give you a little quiz of slogans that are used when you're hungry to try to get you to come and eat somewhere, all right? Restaurants are out there, and they all want you to eat at their table, and this is the world, and it's trying to get you to, what I'm going to say, follow your desire, okay? So if you do that, uh, you know, don't feel bad, don't feel guilty. We all live in this world. What does this tell you you're going to eat? Have it your way. Huh? Burger King, haven't eaten there lately. Well, here's an easier one. You deserve a break today at, because I'm loving it, right? That's what McDonald's says, all right? Come hungry, leave happy. You like pancakes? I hop, that's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about this one? We have the meats. Arby's, you got that one. I had to get the right accent, and you got it. Think outside the bun. Taco Bell. Now here's one, I don't know if anybody will get this one, but it met the the requirement of what I'm looking for in these slogans so perfectly. So this restaurant is from the Midwest. Anybody from Midwest? All right, see if you know this one. What you crave, because the crave is a powerful thing. Anybody know? It's a burger joint called White Castle. Some of you have heard of that. Now, the reason I took that one as, like, that's the one I'm looking for is that the world is doing that, following the desire. And that's how advertising is all about that, right? Whatever you deserve, you can have it. Whatever you want, we'll give it to you. And in 1 John, he actually says, this is the measure of the world. It says, don't love the world because the world measures things by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. You know that part? It says 1 John 2. It says the world and all of its desires are passing away. But while they're here, this is what the world is looking for. What looks good, what tastes good, what makes you something. Pride of life. And if you are living in this consumer world we live in, that is what the world is trying to pull you into, your desire. So you will follow your desire. And now that I've lost you because you're all hungry and you want to go eat somewhere, (laughs) 
That's what desires do, right? They distract you. They say, well, right now, I want it right now, and I'm going to have it. And I drive through the drive-thru because I'm hungry. Well, I, I have a donut right now. It would be. Where's my donut? That is how we live some. Just impulsive, craving, craving, craving. Following desires. In Titus, Paul writes to Titus and says, we all were like that before we came to Christ. We were led away by desire. But Jesus came into that story. Now let's take a look at how that happens when Jesus comes. Next slide, we see another kind of setting. What if I host and I open the door and say, Jesus, come in, sit down at the table. We've got work to do because this world is messed up. So me and Jesus are going to get this world fixed. We're going to sit down and we're going to have the world serve us as it should. All right? So we have the law. If you follow me biblically, we're talking about what happens when you have the law and you have a legalistic system and you sit down with Jesus for prayer, I'm going to say, and you say, oh God, our world is going to hell. It's horrible. So fix it. And we start telling the world how to obey Jesus. Just like some of you do, unfortunately, we go to the restaurant, we sit down, and we tell those waiters how to service, what to service, and how to do it well, or they're not getting a tip, by the way. How we get legalistic, how we get so bent on having to do it right, is partly this right here, a legalistic kind of thinking that we're going to do this for Jesus, and we're going to get this world kicked into shape, because look how messed up it is. And we've got the rules, so follow the rules. Some of us are just bent that way by personality. We just live our lives to follow rules. And if there's not enough rules, we'll write some more because that's how we need the world to be. Very much like that, okay? Now, I'd say that's warm. I mean, you can run a church that way, and, and people that like to follow rules will, will maybe sign up. But it is hard work, let me tell you, to keep people in line and make them follow rules. Whew, tell me about that. I was a math teacher in school. I know about rules. That's hard work. Exhausting. But there are those kinds of scenarios where we come in and say, Jesus, we have the rule book. Let's, let's get this by the book. We've got our programs. We've got our things in order. Now let's do it. And we've got that. Mm. We sang a little bit about that. I think that song that says, I tried it my way and I got really tired. That was in one of the songs I'm kind of paraphrasing. But yeah, we do that. Next scenario. Let's take a look at the next seating. How about if we say, all right, let's change this up a little bit. I'll still be the host. Let's invite the world to the table and show them how Jesus serves. After all, Jesus is a servant. Jesus loves us. Jesus will show us the servant leadership kind of things that, that if we just invite the world to the table, Jesus will serve us. He'll serve us well, and the world will love Jesus. In our, in our, in our church context, I, I, I know some of you are aware of this. This is called seeker-sensitive churches. You, you just ask the community, what kind of church do you want? 
And they say, well, we want these things, so please do this. So you set up all the programs that the world loves, and, and you put Jesus here to serve the latest programs that people really like. You get the right music, the right food, the right coffee bar, the right everything, and, and market it well, and they will come to your church to meet Jesus. But when we pray, listen to how we pray in this context. When we pray, we're going to say, oh, Jesus, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for giving us everything that we need in this life. We have enough money. We have nice house. We have a nice car. Well, I'd like a nicer car, but that's okay. I'll suffer. But Jesus wants your life to be good because he loves us so much. Now, I like that personally. I do really like that. But <laughs> listen, to our, listen to our James passage, right? He, he says, you come to pray and you ask God for things, but you don't get what you want from him because you're asking according to your own desires. Anyone who Praise like that. James is harsh, he says. You are in a friendship with the world. And if you are in a friendship with the world, then your desires are skewed towards them. And that's what you'll be asking for. And then you'll get frustrated because God doesn't give you what you asked for. All right. That kind of church is all over the place in America. And I got to say, I've been a missionary and it's everywhere. Because why? We like it. Oh, I'd like a church like that. Where Jesus would just serve us. Jesus bring healing and boof, everybody gets healed. Jesus bring prosperity and whoa, my wallet's full. Thank you, Jesus. You're so good to me. Now, that does honor Jesus some. But I don't think Jesus came to serve us like that. I don't think so. I, I know there's, there's a phrase, I don't know where I picked it up, but there's a phrase that says, Jesus did not come here to take sides. Your side, my side, you know. He didn't come here to serve us in that way. He came to take over. He came to bring the kingdom which was offensive to everybody, the religious people, because they were going to lose their place, the worldly people, because, well, here's another kingdom. That's not good as far as the world's concerned. But as Christians, believers in Jesus, we just review what we've, what we're, what we've done so far. We've we talked about... What happens as human beings if we follow desire? That's, that's worldly. We have nothing to do with Jesus then. because It just matters about me, following desires. What if we follow rules? That's a little better, as long as those rules are the, are the Bible and, and the, the Jesus rules. Or we could follow, in this case, our hearts, our feelings. How, how do we just get along with everybody wouldn't that be the nicest kind of church? Have a nice church? And yet we're not quite there to the hot, that revival fire that we sang about today, is it? 
Because it's still depending on us. We're still the ones sitting in the host seat. Is that really where we're supposed to be? I don't think so. So when Jesus says, I will come in and have supper with you, I think he intends to bring everything with him, the menu, the plan. He, he intends to bring everything, and he will take us from there so that our next kind of thing, instead of follow desire or follow rules or follow our feelings, we'll be truly following Jesus. Isn't that what we're called to do? Believers, we're supposed to follow Jesus. So when we're trying to hunger and thirst after righteousness, kind of blessedness, this is the choice that Jesus gives to us that is the hot one. This is the one where the food tastes the best. Taste and see the Lord is good. You want that one? This is it. The gospel. Just think about what it says. Romans. Let's go there in Romans. The next one is a little warmer, yeah? The host is Jesus. The guest is the world, and I am here to serve that purpose. I am not ashamed of the gospel, Romans 1.16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation for the Jew first and then the Greeks. In it, the righteousness of God is revealed by faith. This is the Christian message. And more specifically, I, I find the Christian Missionary Alliance message is Jesus-centered. This is where we want everyone to land and say, okay, I was hungry when I came in here, and I could have had all these different things, but I want Jesus. I'm not ashamed of that gospel. It is the power of God for salvation. It is the righteousness of God that we find when we follow Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, with that in mind, we enter into what your notes kind of say, and that is, a kingdom of God. Kingdom of God has rules, yes. Kingdom of God has a connect to your heart, yes. But it's, it's priority number one that a kingdom has a king. <laughs> and that is who is in charge of this whole dinner scenario. It is the king who invited us to his banqueting table. He does have the grace to walk into our world for a short period of time, knock on our door and say, hey, can I come in and have supper with you? Because I want to invite you to the greatest supper there ever will be. This is the Jesus that we follow. Now, he came to redeem the world. God so loved the world that he sent his only son to meet with the world, to make reconciliation. And we are here as servers to that cause. Especially Christian Missionary Alliance people, we love the Great Commission. Fund the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature. I was, I was a young man, 20-some years old, and I, my first missionary experience was in uh, Columbia, South America. 
And I went there to be a servant. Man, I was passionate. I, my wife and I, we got married even under the scenario that we're going to go and serve God somewhere together. And our, our first service was in Columbia, South America. I'm a school teacher. I, I got a math degree, and I wanted to use it to travel, be involved in missions. So we went to a Wycliffe Bible Translator Center. And there's around 300 people that lived there, worked there, translating the Bible into the languages of Colombia. And I was paired with a, a missionary who was to mentor me as a young man into you know, this life of what, what missions was about. I remember he and I together one time, he, he was joining me in my passion to serve Jesus, you know, somewhat naive being young like that, but he said, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. You, you want to serve Jesus. And it's kind of like being the waiter at a table. You know, when, when it says, they who wait on the Lord renew their strength. You know, what is that? And, and we landed on this scenario right here. We said, what if it meant, like, I am eagerly waiting for the next thing that Jesus is going to order at the table? That kind of waiting. Like the waiter that you really tip well. You know, the one that's always attentive and say, I, oh, they need water. I'm going to run over there and get them some. I want to be like that, serving Jesus. So we, as he was good at mentoring, he said, okay, why don't, why don't we just pray about this? We'll just, we'll just pray about this and, and let the Lord speak into this, uh, what he wants you to know. All right, that's good. So I was standing in this context, you know, eagerly waiting to see what God would tell me. This is what I want you to do. Go serve me this way, you know? So I did. I closed my eyes and I intently said, I'm just going to listen to what the Lord would say. And as I understand the Lord's voice speaking to me inside, I, I, I put myself in this context, saying, okay, I'm, I'm ready. And the most special thing happened. I mean, I still remember today, and it chokes me up even to remember the, the warm and tender sense that I got in this heart of Jesus, where I truly did sense that, okay, he's at the table, there's stuff going on there, and then what I did not expect happened. Jesus, as I understood it in my, you know, in this picture in my mind, turns to me and says, Terry, come and sit down at the table. I have a place for you to serve, yes. But come and sit down at the table. I have a place for you. Kind of reminds me of Jesus saying that. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. And here I was, kind of standing off at a distance from this scenario, and Jesus saying, no, no, it doesn't work like that, where I just tell you what to do and you go do it. You come and sit at this table with me while we talk to the world about how things can be healed, how things can be saved, how, how people can be changed. Changed me. It really was a powerful, powerful moment for me. But it was gospel. It just, it, the basic gospel was right there. And I just want to read to you 
from something you're very familiar with, but from the context we're in, hopefully it means a lot to you. And that is what we call the Last Supper, where there was this group of 12 that answered the knock at the door and invited Jesus in, and they were calling him teacher, master, you set the table, you, you do. He broke the bread, he gave it to them. They were submissive to him. And this is what he said at the table. I'll start in John 13, and I'm not going to read all of it. Oh, maybe. Let's, we have time. No, I'm just kidding. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If I don't get anything else across today, that is the key thing for this church to, to redevelop. That's what you're doing. Develop this. If people watch you loving each other by this, all men will know that you follow Jesus. As the Father has loved me, Jesus goes on, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Listen to this. You are my friends. You're at my table. Do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, love one another. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. It is to fulfill the word that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Counselor comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me, and you also are witnesses, because you have been with me from the beginning. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you, and when he comes, he will convince the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me. That's the cold response right there. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. May I just comment there? So righteousness needs to be seen somewhere. Jesus isn't here. What did he leave? Us, his body, 
the church, the bride. And when people see the righteousness of Jesus in us, loving each other, the Holy Spirit is doing his work. Let him do that. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I have many things to say to you. You cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all this truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. And therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I ask the worship team to come and prepare for our closing song, which I don't want you to lose what I've been saying when we transition into the song. You are going to follow something in your hunger for righteousness. You're going to follow. You could follow your desire, just your fleshly carnal desire. You could follow the rules. You can follow just the touchy-feely heart, like, I like that. But what we're called to is to follow a person, follow Jesus. This world is, is hearing the knock. I, I know that if you went out and asked just the average person, <laughs> what is God doing in your life? Reasonable question. Because God is at work in everyone's life somehow. And we are followers of Jesus who, who need to be there having that conversation. So as we sing this song, I invite us all to this commitment that Jesus asked us to make. If you would look at that verse on the last slide, this is the verse I would have us commit to. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, sisters, by the mercies of God, present your body as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewal of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, good, acceptable, and perfect. As we sing this song, it gives you opportunity to make that commitment, and I encourage you, let's do it. Thank you for checking out the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it. For more information, you can visit alliancebible.church.